This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Mavericks. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by Evan Grant. And we're going to have our smorgasbord. You know, if you've got a better name for us, uh, send it in to us. Email me. Email. Uh, uh, egran at dallasnews.com or at Evan underscore P underscore Grant at Twitter. Yeah. Give us give us a better name. And, and please, no obscene. Uh, we get enough of that as it is. Yeah, we've already gone obscene with the name for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, just semi. Um, so we're going to talk first uh, about uh, Mr. Doncic. Yeah, That's it's not really Mavs talk. It's Lucha. It's Lu- Lucha. Lucha. It's Lucha. Lucha. <laughs> You're thinking Lucia. You're thinking that Italian place over in the Bishop No, I'm Arts. thinking of Mexican wrestling, Lucha Libre. Well, there you go. Uh, but Luca comes off the top rope. Uh, yeah, he does. He does come off the top rope. You know, this is an unbelievable thing, uh, how well he's playing. Now. And now, of course, I've written, I think, three times already this year that, oh, you got to have a third wheel. Who's going to be the third wheel? And it's like now all of a sudden the rest of the team is everybody's scoring in double figures. You know, Porzingis has regressed a little bit, um, which I I don't know why everybody panics about that. You know, he was a great player before, before he got hurt. Uh, on the verge of being a great player and sort of has all the skill set of being a great player. You know, it was LeBron who gave him the, the nickname, the unicorn It's LeBron who told everybody that Luca is great. All right. So I'm trusting LeBron's opinion as a talent evaluator here. Uh, Porzingis just needs some time uh, after a 20 month layoff, which is a really long time to come back and get back into the scheme of things. I think he's a little, He's a little lost in an offense where he's not the number one option. Uh, so uh, I think that uh, it's taken him a while to understand Rick Carlisle's flow offense. Um, so, but I, f- I feel that'll happen eventually. Uh, he's a smart guy, really smart guy, and and a really talented player. And and, and meanwhile, he's playing really good uh, rim protector defense. Uh, and you know, Rick Carlisle talked about that. Why is anybody talking about it? It's pretty important to have that. Uh, there are things he needs to do. And, and uh, as I was listening to the, one of the national broadcasts of a, of a Mavericks game recently, uh, the point was made that in, in a couple of years, I can't remember who the, who the broadcaster was. It was a former player. He says, I think that we're two years away from seeing the real Chris Stapps Porzingis. He says, I think once he gets, fills out a little bit more, it's a little bit better base that he's going to be a monster. So, uh, but the, the, the thing is, and I think that's probably what everybody was thinking that, Oh, this Mavericks team, Probably at least another year away. You know, it's it's a fringe playoff team, but they but then uh, but then next year they they add a third wheel. They'll they'll be really good. Well, they're already really good. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say when you beat the Lakers at home uh, by 14 points, uh, then you're really good, and you're really good 
because of Luka Doncic. Um, so our old pal, Barry Horn, uh, I was talking to him yesterday, and, and I give him a lot of grief because, you know, as the father of a point guard, he, uh, you know, says, I don't know about this Luka. You know, he turns the ball over too much, and I don't, I don't like what he does. This was going into the season, right? And, and of course, Barry always has that same uh, reporter's kind of uh, skepticism, which is a good thing. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you're going to have to show me more than you showed me last year. Uh, when, in fact, you know, the fact that he was 19 years old and playing like he was, uh, and now he's 20 years old and playing like this, uh, it's just phenomenal. Uh, and I, and uh, I am uh, – making a comparison here i'm I'm working on this getting this anyway uh with uh oscar robertson a, a very similar not just because oscar once uh had averaged a triple double double for an entire season as russell westbrook did but also similar body types big guys playing point guard uh big thick guys uh and that and that makes a difference because you know when he goes into the lane people are slapping at the ball and he's able to you know to maintain his drive and and finish uh, with the basketball, and that's a that's a big thing, you know. Uh, Trey Young can't do that, uh, and that's and that's why, to me, uh, for a lot of reasons, one of the reasons, uh, but a big reason, why he was more valuable to me than a Trey Young was. This guy is evolving before our eyes into uh, what could very well be the next big thing in basketball. Um, and that's kind of phenomenal to think that the Mavericks have kind of stumbled into this, right? Uh, they they screwed up when they had the opportunity to get the Greek freak, uh, you know, and Tedekumpo when Donnie Nelson goes to uh, uh, Mark Cuban and says, hey, I'm putting them on the table here, man. This is the guy that I want. And and Mark said, no, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to draft him. I'm going after Dwight Howard. Um and that was a mistake. And in this, when you make a mistake like that, you know, you think this is the kind of thing you look back on for the rest of your life, right? Right. You know, if you're if you're that if you're that executive, if you're a fan, you think we could have had the Greek freak and we didn't get him, and that's why we suck now. Uh, so they don't get him, and then Donnie comes back and says, "Hey, I got another euro for you here, and this guy is the best guy in the draft, uh, and we got to have him." And and so they make the trade up from five to two and they take him and he's better than the Greek freak. I think, uh, I, I think he's better because the ball goes through his hands on every possession. And that's what makes the, the point guard so valuable is that this guy's handling the ball all the time. And not only is he, you know, directing the offense, creating the offense, creating assists, he's getting rebounds, he's scoring, he's doing everything you want him to do here. Um, I don't know where this all ends with Luka Doncic. I don't know where it all goes. You know, it's awfully early in a guy's career when he's 20 years old and he's already playing like this. Things can go wrong. Uh, certainly he could get hurt. Uh, there there are, there are things that can happen. I think the things that are on in his favor besides his considerable talent is the fact that he is an undeniable winner. That after a game, he can have a triple-double and he – couldn't care less. I think that is absolutely the truth if they don't win. I've seen him sitting there in his locker, his head down after a loss, and he's got a triple-double uh, and just just blown away by the fact that they didn't win. Uh, 
I think that's an awfully good sign. So I, I think he's a, he's a hard worker. He's already improved this year on things that he needed to improve upon. Uh, his free throw shooting, his three-point shooting, his um, uh, he, he still turns it over a little too much. Um, and I think he's going to do that because he's trying to be so creative. I think as he gets more offensive weapons around him, I think he's going to be even more valuable to this team. So what I'm saying is after all of that, going into the season, I said they'd be a seventh seed. Um, yeah, I was just about to ask you. At this point in time, the Mavericks are fourth in the West. Yeah. Um, do you think they're one of the? Four, you think they finish with one of the four best records in the West? I think they could. Yeah, I think I, I was going to say uh, I've, I've gone from predict, predicting a seventh seed to a four or five. I think that's I think that's where they are. You've probably. got the Lakers and the Clippers as both definitely being better. Well, Clippers are a lot better. Okay, the Clippers are a lot better than everybody. Though. You have the Rockets being better than the Mavericks? Not necessarily. Maybe, okay. maybe that's that's going to be close. Denver. Close. Okay. Um, I think probably. I think probably better than Denver. So you I, you've got to finish better than one of those four teams to mm-hmm. host a first round. Yeah. Matchup. Yeah. But uh, here's the thing: they play so well on the road. Now that doesn't mean it's going to happen in the playoffs. True. But it's certainly a good sign, right? True. They play great on the road. They yeah. they in some ways they play better on the road than they have at home. They're an impressive. They they've really he's. <laughs> Famous last words when we first talked about him uh, two weeks ago on the on the podcast, and I said, "Well, let's let's, <laughs> let's just see. Hold let's on, hold there, let's Tiger. not call him a generational talent. All right, let's call him a once in a century talent. Um, yeah, he's he's pretty special. He's on he's on a he's on an amazing run right now, and this team is you know it's it's not like in the last four games they've they've beaten some good teams. They've beaten Houston and they've beaten the Lakers." They they had the loss against the Clippers, which was, you know, that's the only thing that separates them from what a ten game winning streak. Yeah, and you know, losing to the Clippers, where everybody says, "See, they're not really game winning streak. They're really not ready for this level." Yeah, but then they go to L.A. and beat the Lakers. Yeah, fourteen. Well, they beat the Houston. They beat the Rockets in Houston. Yeah. So uh, those are really impressive wins to do that, especially when you consider the fact that Lucas twenty, and Porzingis is just coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. it's not even, it wasn't even December, mm-hmm. you know, and they're already playing this well. What happens? I mean, I'm assuming that they will probably still make a deal at the deadline because here's the, and I think Mark, here's what Mark Cuban thinks. And I, I, I hope he thinks this is that, you know what? We're not so good at attracting free agents, but we we're pretty good at making a trade here at the deadline. Last year we got Porzingis. And and that was a good move. Um, I think they could, if they don't feel like that, and I don't know that he is, Tim Hardaway, a little, a little streaky. Uh, is he the guy you really want to count on to be the third wheel? Yeah. I don't know. But if you you know if you could get somebody to take Courtney Lee's contract, which expires this year, uh, Hardaway's got another year on his deal. Uh, I, I'm not sure how attractive that would be to anybody. Uh, I'm not saying you need a superstar as that third guy. I'm saying that you, I think you'd be better off with a complimentary player who who's a guy who's a very good player, a guy who's going to give you 16, 17 points a game. That you you, you know that, uh, and he's going to play good defense. Um, I I think the bench is pretty good. I know the bench has taken a lot of abuse, especially when they were they had a little bit of a, a streak in there early in the season. And they weren't playing well. People were saying, "Oh, see, this is not a good enough." 
bench. It's a good bench. These are good guys. They just need they need one player who's a step up from that. They need a start. They need another starter. I think. Uh, I, I I think that they that Hardaway needs to be the sixth man. Uh, I think that's what he's best served as. I think that's what Rick Carlisle wants him to be, um, because he is basically an offensive player. Although he he's played pretty good defense this year at times. So we'll see. But I, I do think that this uh, Mavericks team. Uh, is really going places, and uh, I don't know how far they're going to go this year. It's but they are at least a year or two years ahead of where we thought they would be. Probably two or three years, and, I, and it certainly helps that the Warriors just fell through the floor. Uh, that, you know that that knocks you down a whole peg. But it's not just the Warriors that they're better uh, this year. So I, I think that uh, these, are, these are all really good signs. I, I can't disagree with you on anything. I, I do think that they've they've got to add another piece. Um, they they do seem to be a little bit too. I I don't want to say too reliant on Luca, but I, I you know he's led the team in all three categories. Yeah, eleven times this year. Yeah, he's got the seven triple doubles, but eleven times he's been the team's leading scorer, leading rebounder, and leading assist guy. Well, that's one of the reasons why he gets triple doubles is because right. who else is going to get them? Right, somebody's got to get these things. So there's got to be somebody who can take a little bit more of the burden off of him. Yeah, and, um, and maybe that happens when Porzingis gets better. You know, when he becomes more dominant. Yeah, I mean, and if Porzingis if Porzingis works into it by the second half of the year, um, really, you just got to have him playing by March. Right. If he's yeah. if he's playing well by March, so he's got two or three months to get all this figured out, uh, and and I think that uh, that he's certainly capable of that, uh, and then and then we'll see. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little baseball. Um, I had a little news in the paper this morning. You did have a little news in the paper about the Anthony Rendon that the the the, the John Daniels was in use and eating a good company with uh, him. At I, the, I didn't at the confirm bar. that it was a good company. Uh, no? I'm going to guess it was. Um, not at good company. Oh. It's probably at some place with a private uh, room. How can these guys not understand? Um, but I, here's the deal. Uh, I don't know if the Rangers will get Rendon. I'm saying no. Um, I think they've got a good shot to do it. Uh, but they are being aggressive. They are going and meeting with the guys that they have targeted. And these are guys at the top of the market. Rendon. Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. Why don't you give the guy's first name? Zach Wheeler, the free agent pitcher who, I, you know, <laughs> I think the projections for Zach Wheeler in July and August were that he'd get four years and $72 million approximately. Yeah. Let's say somewhere between 68 and $75 million. Um, and now here we are the first week of December, and the projections are that it's going to be five years and $100 million or more. Really? So that that's been a game changer. Um But uh, he was always kind of that he was the next guy, right? He's, he's the guy look, he's the guy in this market as I was trying to explain to somebody yesterday, you know, you pay what the market pays. Sure. But if Zach Wheeler is what you expect what you want him to be or expect him to be, he's a He's the same. He's on the same level that Strasburg or Garrett Cole would be. He would be for you over the next five years. Their equivalent. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a thirty million dollar a year pitcher. Right. So whether it's twenty million or twenty two million, you're still looking at him being more valuable 
than that than than what you'd pay for it so that's why i think this bidding war has has kind of i don't know bidding war because i don't know if anybody's tendered a an official offer though i will say this the industry there does seem to be a, a a feeling in the industry that wheeler um who is represented by bb abbott wants to do his deal before the winter meetings begin really um which would accelerate i think the free agent market uh to a great deal um and I think it would also, if the Rangers don't land Wheeler, and I think that that both Philadelphia, I think the the Twins, uh, I, I think the the Cubs are all teams that could be in play for him. Uh, if the Rangers don't land Wheeler, at least it allows them to then pivot and either uh, up their offer to Rendon if need be, or then turn to to the next level of pitchers that they that they'll turn to. Let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. I think you answered this in the one I read yesterday. Is the number one priority the third baseman or a starting pitcher? I think the number one priority is Wheeler and Rendon. Oh, so you're one and one A. Yeah, I, I, I don't even think there's a one and one A. I think they're. I think that from my reporting, based on and, and compared to other years, I think it is. You know, three years ago it was Otani or bust, and I think this year they have similarly targeted that this is the this precise road they want to go down. Um, I, I think it's been much more targeted than it has in most of the the last few years. Um, what happens if they don't get those guys? I think that's more up in the air. Uh, but I think they're pretty determined to land one of these guys uh, if they can. Their, obje- their objective is to get both. All right, let me ask you this, because our good friend T.R. Sullivan wrote that uh, the Rangers would be interested in in Miguel Andujar of the Yankees, of the third baseman. Yeah, they've been interested in it. They're intrigued by Andujar. There's questions about Andujar's health. Um, Missed a lot of time with a shoulder injury. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they like the possibilities of Andujar. And, you know, even if Andujar can't play third base, he could potentially play first base. but I don't know that there is a good matchup between the Rangers and New York Yankees. They might be interested in bullpen help. Uh, they could be, but I still don't think that there's a really good matchup between the Rangers I, and the Yankees. How how old is Andrew Hart? I, I, I know very little about him. Five. And see, and that and I'm sure that's what appeals to them. Here, here's my one issue with Anthony. Well, he's controllable. Yes. Here's my one issue with Anthony Rendon. He's going to be 30 years old in June. Mm-hmm. So you sign him to a seven-year deal. Well, there's there's the other question. Then, is, then he's 37. There are reports that Anthony Rendon does not want to sign a seven-year deal. Really? Um, that he would prefer to sign something five years uh, so in that range. To give him an out? I don't know that he wants to play seven or eight more years. Really? Um, this is a He's a little bit different cat uh, from what I've been told in terms of you know, really wanting to – to be focused on on home life and and um, uh, life after baseball, mm-hmm. uh, he clearly has a really good approach and, and is is a very focused baseball player. But I also think that he doesn't foresee himself uh, hanging on, mm-hmm. and so the possibility exists that hey, if you're willing to say we'll give you um, the highest ever annual value that you might be able to get away with less overall dollars. All right, we need to go fast now. So, uh, But I, I want to ask, so this all of this talk begs the, the question, 
What happened to the $30 million that you said they were going to Well, I think that everything? very quickly, you know, as we talked about just a second ago, the Wheeler market has, has mushroomed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that as the offseason has kind of gotten legs, I think that ownership uh, – I, listen, $30 million was kind of a ballpark figure that I had heard out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there was always some room for them to player-dependent – go go further but i think the market has now suggested hey it's going to go significantly further than that you talked about 50 million listen i i've been told that there is a scenario out there in which they could sign rendon and wheeler they've already signed kyle gibson for 10 million dollars as a depth option uh, give me an up or down on that i as a depth option Fine. I mean, ten million dollars is is great for for a serviceable innings eater. That's what I was. And thinking. it means that you know only one of Palumbo, Allard, Burke, Taylor Hearn have to hit at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, if if and if Allard if Allard pitches really well and he's actually a number four rather than a number five, and now all of a sudden Kyle Gibson is a number five, you're really deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this also is dependent on you getting a guy to go in the top half of your rotation. Yeah, for sure. So Kyle Gibson was never their number one target, but he was a target to say, let's get somebody that we know is serviceable mm-hmm. and is not. we're not taking a flyer on like a Shelby Miller or a Drew Smiley. Right. Let's get somebody who's serviceable in here so that we can then be very targeted in what we want to go after. All right, quick question now. But I'm just saying, with all of that, they could end up adding about $60 million. Well, that's what I'm saying. Payroll. To do all that, you're going to do $60 million. Yeah. Yeah. So what does this say about what John Daniels is thinking then and ownership is thinking? You know, I, because we, cause everything had been predicated on the fact that, oh, they're really not going to be in position to challenge the Astros this year. They're really another year away. I don't probably think two they look away. at it as necessarily challenging the Astros. So as we've talked about in the last week, there are some signals out there that the Astros could implode on a number mm. of fronts. But – I think what their per- perception is, look, we're still targeting 2021 as when we hit our peak. Right. When we start our another peak window. But they are saying that to get there, they need to take a significant step forward this year. Yeah. Uh, and that is why this team has to – you can't address all the holes that exist right. in one winter. You can make yourself better at a number of places and then take the next big step for 2021. I'm sure the fans would appreciate that. All right, now let's talk about college football before we get out of here. Today, as we record this, is before the CFP rankings, the penultimate, as they like to call them. All right, so before before the rankings come out today, does Oklahoma jump to five? Oklahoma will be not five. Utah will be five. I think Utah will still be five. But that will all change uh, this weekend. That will change because – Oklahoma will be six. Baylor will be eight, probably. Mm-hmm. Florida will probably still be in front of uh, Baylor, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what will happen here is that this weekend, LSU will be Georgia. That will eliminate Georgia. Georgia will drop. Uh, and then when – I'm thinking that Baylor will probably beat – I mean, I'm sorry. I, I'm saying that Oklahoma will beat Baylor. I think it will be close. I think it will be a good game. Mm-hmm. But that will give Oklahoma enough impetus beating a, the number 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good win. 
to vault over Utah because Utah will not have that win. Utah will play Oregon. I think that Utah will lose to Oregon, as a matter of fact, in mm-hmm. the Pac-12 championship. Well, if, you, if, if Utah loses to Oregon, they disqualify themselves under every scenario. The Pac-12 disqualifies themselves under every scenario. And I think that, yes, if Utah loses to Oregon, in all likelihood a Big 12 team makes the, the winner of the Baylor-Oklahoma game makes the playoff. No question about that. Okay. No question. Now, there, but there's a, but that's all predicated on Georgia losing to LSU. Yes, and I think that's going to happen. Don't you? I do. Um, but I will say this, and you know, I, I know you know Mark Bradley is is a good friend of mine, and and like you, one of the guys that I, that I've always kind of looked up to for in, in in writing, and I think Mark always boils things down to a very simple formula for fans, which is. Are they, is this team good enough to win? Is this team not good enough to win? Does this change need to be made? Does that change need to be made? And he laid out he laid out a scenario yesterday that is believable. I mean, this Georgia defense really, really is good. Yeah, it is. Um, if the if the defense can get the can get the LSU offense off the field enough times, this is the kind of game that Georgia could potentially grind out with its running game on offense, but. Based on what I've seen, Jake Fromm's got to find a receiver. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's got anybody reliable. His best receiver, Lawrence Cager, is going to be out for this game. His second best receiver, George Pickens, stupidly got himself suspended for the first half of this game. I just – every part of me after watching, I think, 10 of Georgia's 12 games this year says to me that this team does not have enough dynamic – Mm-hmm. Uh, offense to keep up with LSU, but if they if they can get some pressure on Burrow and they've gotten pressure on every quarterback they played, that changes everything with a quarterback under pressure. Absolutely. So I think LSU wins, and I think look, I think in the per- in 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 the perfect world, we'd still go to six or eight, and we'd take out this whole yeah. shenanigan about one major conference not getting represented. Yeah, uh, but I do think that. When all is said and done, uh, amazingly, the Big Twelve is sitting pretty. Is sitting pretty. Yeah, that's amazing. And here's the thing: I want to make a point about real quick. If LSU loses, does the committee really leave LSU out of the CFP? No, I think if LSU loses, I think your your top four remains as is. But that will be the first time that a team has lost in the conference championship game and made the CFP. I believe. Is that right? I think that's right. I don't think that that. that yeah, because when happened. when Georgia and. Uh, Alabama made it. Georgia had beaten Auburn in the SEC. Yeah, I don't think Ohio State had lost in the in the Big Ten championship game when they got in a couple of times. So uh, that would be hard. I think everybody would look at that like, "Oh, you got to be kidding me!" But then I think people would also say, "But but really, LSU is better than Oklahoma." And LSU would have the best loss on the board. Yes, absolutely. They'd have the best loss on the board among the one beaten teams, and they'd have wins over, uh, I believe, seven, nine, and eleven. Yeah, so here's here's my final take on this. I, I, I I've think, got one more question before we get out of here. Okay, well, it's a well, quick one. All right, all right, go ahead and ask then. All right, so do is there any scenario in which we see an in-state bowl matchup featuring SMU? In-state? Yes. Well, yeah, Frisco Bowl. No, no, no. I'm talking about their opponent being an in-state. School. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, I would like. I would love to see that. Uh, you know, I guess there was is there a possibility of SMU in Texas. I've seen a projection at one point in time that had SMU and Texas in the Liberty Bowl. Mm-hmm. My take is that 
and I know Texas. I know that the schools can't veto. Only mm-hmm. the SEC schools can veto a bowl assignment. But Texas, Texas's relationship with ESPN, we know, is very, very close. ESPN owns a number of bowls. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think that there would not be back channel discussions from Texas to ESPN right. about not wanting to play SMU, yeah, they would not want, and to. not having to face uh, Shane Bouchelle, mm-hmm. uh, then I think you, you, you know. Yeah. I've got a conspiracy theory for you, yeah. but I, I, I think that I, I don't see a scenario where that happens, um, and I don't see a scenario where A and M would agree to play them either. It's a no-win situation for any, for both of those schools. Yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry for SMU to win ten games, and if they end up nothing against our friends in Frisco, but if they end up in the Frisco Bowl, that's that's a shame I, for I, a ten-win season. I think they deserve a, um, and not that. Not that Memphis is the the world's greatest destination, but I, I I believe they and their fans for ten wins in that conference deserve more of a destination type yeah. event oh, than, than just going up to Frisco. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. All right. So here's my thing. All right. Uh, I'm going to say that in the CFP, barring mm-hmm. LSU getting blown out by Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, that would drop them. That out. won't happen. It'll be uh, you know, Ohio State, LSU. Clemson and Oklahoma. I'm going to say that no matter what happens with Utah, whether Utah, if, even if Utah wins the Pac-12 championship game, which they obviously Oklahoma will do, jump them. Oklahoma will jump them. All right, a better win. So you've got LSU. You've got an LSU Oklahoma. Yeah. Semifinal. Yeah, I do. That could be interesting in terms of scoring. Yes, it could. Yes, it could. And and that and that's where Jalen Hurts helps you. A very tough quarterback playing uh, against that tough defense you want a guy like that you know, the one problem well, the one turnovers. problem with me and Jalen Hurts is turnovers he's yeah. got to he's got to hold on to the ball yeah yeah but that, I think that would be really good I do think though that that, that clearly to me the two if, best teams if in Baylor, college football. if Baylor and Utah both win does Baylor jump Utah uh that's gonna be harder uh just it's, it's a longer leap it's a longer leap and it's the non-conference schedule right yeah I mean I think you know We've we've seen some big leaps, uh, but yeah, the non their non conference schedule is very similar to Utah's, except Utah has BYU. Utah had BYU, yeah. Northern Illinois, and Idaho State. Yeah. All right. All right. We, let's we gotta get out of here now. Uh, that was all fun. And you know what? We're what? gonna go have some barbecue today. Terry Blacks. We're gonna go try it. All right. Cool. All right, everybody. From all of us in here to all of you out there. Remember to send in those names for the roundtable, which is just me and Kevin sometimes. <laughs> but uh, send in names because smorgasbord is so uh, 1970s. Oh, man. Um, I haven't seen a smorgasbord. Pickle loaf. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of. Cream herring and pickle loaf. Yeah. Anyway, uh, send us those uh, suggestions uh, at Evan Grant, Evan E. Grant at DallasNews.com. Uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to this Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.